All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Simply Cyber Live, the Thursday long-form podcast interview where I, Jerry Osher, get to bring on cybersecurity community members to share their story, bring their perspective, bring their professionalism, drop their knowledge bombs, while all of you get to consume it. So sit back, relax, open up your mouth, because the fire hose is about to get ripped open, and Mike Warner is going to be dropping just ridiculous amounts of knowledge. This will be an engaging conversation, so please drop your questions in chat. It's been a while since we had somebody um, that is bringing the conversation topic that Mike's going to be bringing today and really, really delivering value. All the guests on Simply Cyber Live always bring value, but there's always a certain perspective and dimension to it. Today's um, talk with Mike is literally hiring info staff InfoSec staff from the CISO. Now, Mike's going to give you a little bit of a background on who he is, but the TLDR is that in the next 45 minutes, we are going to be talking to someone who is a CISO for a very long time and has interviewed and hired many, many, many cybersecurity professionals. And since he was in the chair, we can ask him questions that you wouldn't normally be able to ask of hiring managers, like, does this certification matter? How, like, does uh, experience matter? Should I get a four-year degree? Or how does that influence your decision? You know, like, what do the roles mean? How does it work with HR? Should I call you? Did I interview bad? Like, all the questions, Mike is going to be telling us his honest and thorough perspective on all of those. So normal business goes, Q&A, drop a Q in chat. I will try to bring it in. I am super, super excited about this particular guest. Um, like I am with all of them, but I, Mike and I have been talking a while about this talk, like uh, probably like three months now. So I'm, I'm super pumped. Let's get into it. Let's get Mike over here and let's do this. All right, Mike, how are you? Doing good, Jerry. Thanks for inviting me. Looking oh. forward to it. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, when, when you told me who you were and what your background was, once we got past the part that it wasn't Oshkosh, the uh, corduroy overalls company, and it was the heavy machinery company, I, I was all in. Although being CISO at Oshkosh corduroy uh, overalls would probably be pretty cool too. So I, I know you, Mike, but for those who don't, for those in chat, the 67 people who are ready to ask you questions, explain to them who you are and most importantly, why you're going to be able to drop knowledge bombs today. Okay, so uh, as Jerry mentioned, I uh, worked at uh, Oshkosh Corporation. It used to be called Oshkosh Truck. We could have a whole nother se uh, series about marketing decisions and changing the name to match up to a baby clothes manufacturer or something close to it. But as Jerry said, it was a heavy duty uh, defense contractor and they also made uh, heavy duty equipment and fire trucks, cement trucks, refuse trucks and uh, access equipment, like you probably see the orange lifts, boom lifts on construction sites. So uh, for 12 years, I ran, I, I started and built the cybersecurity practice at Oshkosh Corporation from scratch. So it was myself and two other people back in 2010. And then over the next 12 years, we grew the practice, we, we built it, we maintained it, we sustained it. And then we went through a couple of iterations of changing strategy due to the nature of the landscape shifting uh, and also uh, contracts and regulations that landscape was shifting to. Um, but prior to that and sitting in the chair, uh, I worked in uh, some of the divisions as an IT leader for about three years. Prior to that, uh, I spent 10 years as a network architect, which is how I actually got up to Wisconsin 
And because Oshkosh Corporation had acquired about 16 different companies and they wanted to leverage economies of scale and you know, across their voice data and video networks. So I was brought in to kind of consolidate all that and uh, squeeze those economies of scale out. But before that, uh, I'm not a traditional IT person. I didn't have the traditional IT track. Uh, I was actually a mechanical engineer and I was working in Southern Georgia at some of the mills there. Uh, managing all things maintenance and engineering in the in those mills for uh, international paper. And then prior to that, for almost five years, I was a naval officer, served on board uh, submarines and warships. So that's kind of my progression. Definitely not traditional for how to get into uh, IT from that standpoint. And uh, certainly not the traditional path for getting into cybersecurity. Well, so Mike, let me ask you, you it, you know, obviously you had that deep technical experience with the network architect, which certainly can help you be a good practitioner. And, and maybe you said this and I just missed it, but did you, when you pivoted into cybersecurity, like an official information security capacity, what, what level were you at that shift? Or were you like a CIO and then you started taking on InfoSec responsibilities and then ultimately just focused on that? So, um, when I got into IT, it was through the network side of the house. And back in the day, and I'm talking about the late 1990s, early 2000s, cybersecurity was really embedded into the networking group as a function. It wasn't a separate function unless you were somewhere at a big bank or a, a major you know, institution that had some really high regulatory controls. So I didn't start really doing cybersecurity purely by its own mm -hmm. until 2010 when I was asked to come back from the divisions and build out the cybersecurity program. And at that point I was at a, a director level uh, and, but I still had my hands in a lot of the technical components that were associated uh, with the network side of the house. And that's when I got into it because the, uh, the CEO at the time came and said, look, we need to build this program out. We've got some regulatory requirements coming. We got contractual requirements. So start from there. And that's what we did with the three people and myself built it up to a team of 40 people at the at its largest point. So I love it. I love it. And I and I see um, just so you know, uh, there's a, a, a individual in chat. You'll see his name. It says DJ BSEC. Um, he is uh, like dyed in the wool network engineer. He, he dabbles in infosec, but, uh, I think he's, he, I think, I think you're resonating with him quite a bit. So, um, there's your brother in arms. So, uh, Mike, how many, how many information security people have you interviewed? How many have you hired? I would say uh, over probably 250 roughly that oh. I've interviewed. Um, and that's over, you know, that's over a 12 year time frame. And I'm even, even going back to my time when, uh, I was running the networking group and built that out back at Oshkosh corporation, because security fell underneath that, you know, that umbrella at that point in time. Um, but it wasn't broken out as a separate department. So yeah, at least 250 that I've interviewed. If I go back all the way through my career, you know, the last 30 plus decades of, uh, having the privilege to lead people, it, it's probably in the, you know, upwards of 800 to a thousand, maybe. Oh my God. Okay. And that's hired, right? 
Oh, that's interviewed. Oh, interviewed. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, my God, how many? No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, but still, I mean, probably, I mean, it, let's say at least 100, right? I mean, because you're not interviewing like 25 people for a single role. But okay, so keeping it kind of current, right? And we can we can jump in the Wayback Machine from time to time, Mike, but keeping it like, let's say the last five years, because that's what a lot of people in chat are really curious about. And I see your questions getting queued up in chat. We're gonna, um, we're gonna, I'm gonna start pulling them up, but just to kind of like grease the skids with Mike here. Mike, wh where do you see, I regularly say, and I said this to you before we went on, you know, people ask me about entry level certs and I say Sec Plus is a great one, uh, gives you a little bit of a exposure and it's usually an HR gateway. Network Plus people ask about, I say learn the material, but not, the cert's not important because it doesn't, it doesn't turn my head when I look at it on a resume. From your seat, from your perspective, where do you see entry-level certs in general? And then can you kind of speak to those two in addition? So I think if you take it back a little step too, I mean, certifications are a way to get through some of the wickets, as you mentioned, Jerry, that are out there that are set up for the particular job roles. Uh, Security Plus is a good one, I think. Um, it shows that you got a foundational knowledge of what's out there. Uh, I would also say, and I'll go back and put my network hat on uh, any type of entry level cert from a networking perspective is also a good thing to have because if you really think about it it really cybersecurity half of its networking if you understand how the ones and zeros are moving around a network you're going to be tied into and have a really really good foundational component associated with that but you don't want to focus on single platform type of certifications uh you know back in the day like we were talking about jerry i mean cisco was the big deal right you go off and get a ccnp get a get a, a ccna first and then you go off and get your CC, ccie if you were really really you know motivated and wanted to know the technical side of things but you know that's really centric around the particular platform you want to keep the stuff fairly generic so that you're able to apply it across platforms, different platforms, but you understand the basic concepts. I love it. I love it. All right. So that's, there it is people. I see all your questions queuing up, Mike. I hope you're ready because uh, chat brought the pain. Ready? Hold on. Let, let's get it. Let's, let's get all this in there. And I, I just want to give a quick shout out uh, really quick before we get in that Frank Cumberland. I don't know Frank, but Frank was talking about, uh, you were talking about back in the day when you got in, he's talking about, he was there when his real tape drives using Spurry and Burrow systems. So we've got Got some uh, some experience in chat right um, now. All right. So so uh, I know there's gonna be a ton of questions. So couple minute response to each of you would Mike. What are the top cybersecurity frameworks to learn front to back? Right. So should should someone trying to get in focus on CIS, NIST, ISO, uh, etc. Uh, to help them both understand and be stand out as a candidate. Uh, I think it depends on where you're going to work regionally is the first question if you're going to be focused in the united states then nist is pretty much the standard that all the groups are going to and i just read something this morning where the federal government's going to is looking to extend out their nist cybersecurity framework to all government contractors not just the dod so i mean NIST does a really good job of pulling those things together the csf is a great place to start NIST csf and understand mm -hmm. that as a foundational component uh NIST 171 is also another one that's a step further above that um 
but if you're going to work internationally or you're, you're, you're targeting a company that works internationally, then you can take a look at the ISO, you know, 27,000 series and dive a little bit deeper into that one. It's a little bit more, um, how shall we say it nebulous in some ways than mm -hmm. what you get directly with NIST. But, uh, in the end, any of those major frameworks are good to have from that standpoint. Um, and there's also, um, you know, you've got some of the GDPR things. I wouldn't get into those types. They're, they're a little bit more specific. Mm -hmm. they're, they're more privacy based. Don't focus on those coming out of the gate because normally those privacy things are handled by, you know, the legal departments and such for the most part. Kerry wants to know, he says he's got the A plus six months experience with computers, having a hard time finding jobs. He's got an associate's degree from Kaplan. What might make his search a little bit better? How might he, how might he, you know, connect with hiring managers and, and or, or stand out? Uh, if you can annotate in your resume, what's, specific things you've done that may align to the job that you're in. I think that would help a lot. The other thing that you can do, and this is something that was always a litmus test for me when I was interviewing people as either a manager or as a director or as a, as a VP, I'll take attitude over aptitude any day. So you can, if you have someone that's motivated to learn, and has shown the ability to take the initiative, that's worth its weight in gold because you can always know that you can teach them and you could grow that individual because they're starting off from a point that they want to learn. It's like the old adage, when a student is ready, a teacher appears, right? <laughs> so if you can emphasize those moments in your resume where you have taken the initiative and done things that you know you weren't explicitly asked to do, I think that speaks volumes for what you, how you can actually stand out from the crowd. Alex wants to know what the top skills and creds are that you look for on a resume. Uh, well, I mentioned one of them. I think that, well, let me take a step back. There are three ways that as a cybersecurity practitioner, you, you look at talent. There are three main pools that you can draw from. You can get talent through uh, interns, you can get talent through uh, converting folks in the IT group that may be server admins, network admins, uh, you know, PC services and the like, or you go out and you hire talent. So I can tell you for the time that, you know, the 12 years that I was in the chair, we filled up our talent with about a third, a third and a third of each one of those from that standpoint. So one way, you know, if you're looking for specific skills and, and certifications, uh, you know, anything related to the, to the cybersecurity space is good. I mean, the CISSP is still one of the, one of the certifications that's pretty prominent out there and still mm -hmm. pretty well known. Uh, you could start with that and then get your years of experience and, uh, then you can get the full blown one. I think that shows initiative from that standpoint, you're not just waiting for the five years to expire or, or get through the five years before you actually get the certification. So they have those entry level ones. Mm -hmm. If you look at some of those and you're able to say, I'm in the entry level and I'm more, I'm waiting, I need the experience. Well, that shows initiative that shows you're moving forward with that. Now skills, again, I'll go back to, and I might just be a little biased with this, but network skills, if you understand networks and you can show demonstrated ability and, 
managing networks, switching, routing, firewalls, then I think you have a leg up on most other people that don't start from a pure cybersecurity perspective. But even if you did start from a pure cybersecurity perspective, I don't think any of the certs spend enough time, those pure cybersecurity certs spend enough time on the network side of the house. I really don't. I think they spend, they, they kind of peanut butter spread it out over so much. Yeah. But if somebody would always set me apart if I saw they had network experience and whether that's as a network admin or they were a network architect or they ran a network group, I mean, I would immediately, you know, pull them out of the stack and say, okay, we'll see what else they've got from that yeah. standpoint. B BSEC is, is, is standing up yelling, preach, preach, Mike. So, um, Amen from the choir. <laughs> now, I don't know if you have uh, checked out um, Certified Cybersecurity Professional. I think that's what that CC stands for. This is basically ISC Squared's response to SEC+. Plus. Um, it, it, it's kind of the feeder cert into CISP, um, not to get confused with SSCP, which is also kind of a feeder. But uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the certification yet, uh, Mike. It's relatively new. But do you, do you have any knowledge about the CC, and do you have uh, an opinion on it? I I honestly don't. I I haven't heard new. much about it. It sounds like it's pretty relatively new. I mean, you want to stick with the certs that are pretty well known and have been around for a while, but they're just a means to an end. I mean, literally, when I look at a resume, I'll look at their experience first and understand what they're doing. And is that experience actually tailored to you know the job position that I'm at? And if you haven't heard about this, there are websites out there, and I, I don't remember the names off the top of my head, where you can load your resume into that website and you load the job description in, and it'll actually mesh them together and it'll come up with like, okay, here are some gaps that you have in there that you could actually then fill in on your resume. Because the first thing you got to do is you got to get past those candidate application systems. Mm -hmm. that the HR groups use and everybody's using them now where they basically are screening and doing exactly what that I was explaining that those websites can do for you. I think there are some free ones out there. Yeah. Um, cyber risk suggests chat GPT, which is probably true. Honestly, probably true at this point. Yep. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So rapid fire. Uh, let's keep going here. You guys got amazing questions. Uh, keep it crystal wants to know what makes a resume uh, stand out. I know you kind of answered this, but I, I wanted to give Crystal uh, an opportunity to ask. Uh, I would say showing that they've done some things that are that are hard and it doesn't have to just be like going to uh, like getting into Harvard or something like that. Right. But if you know you were juggling multiple things like work life and you know you had certain things that you had to work through uh with it with the, you know your personal life and things and but you still persevered and you got through it uh like juggling family obligations and those types of things but then you still got like uh, a four-year degree i think that goes a long way because it shows you got tenacity right mm -hmm. and that's really whatever we learn today in any certification that you get or any education that you get is going to be probably null and void in another five years. I mean, how many Microsoft Server 2010 people are still out there, right, that have that certification? So uh, 
it really comes back to that initiative component and, and showing that you have that and that you've you've tried to gain the experience that will position you well for moving into you know cybersecurity from that standpoint. Now, I I got one other. I, I'm going to diverge just a little bit here. Okay. So, uh, once in any career path that you choose, and I've had this discussion hundreds of times with people, but it's very very important. One of the things to look for when you're looking at an employer is what type of career path is there for you, okay? And why that's so important is they'll reach a point in time in your career where you will become, you'll be given the opportunity five, six, seven years into your career where you'll be given the opportunity to supervise people, manage people, lead people. So many people and so many companies out there have a career path that basically doesn't allow you to be an individual contributor and keep progressing up. And basically you have to move over into management mm. to be able to continue to progress and to continue to grow, you know, your compensation. Okay. That to me is a red flag because not everybody is cut out to go into management. So when you're asking questions and you're exploring companies, ask them you know what's the individual contributor career path does it go up to you know uh does it go to a senior cybersecurity practitioner lead principal cybersecurity architect one cybersecurity architect two i mean do you have that so that you don't have to jump over into management and manage people because that if you decide to do that you need to take almost everything that made you successful as an individual contributor and you got to let it go because now you have become in management and leadership you're the keeper of the what you're not the master of the how so you have to let that go if you don't if, if you're going to be constantly on the keyboard and, and checking up on people then don't go into management if, if there's nothing wrong with that at all that's why you need to make sure you have that cybersecurity path, that career path set up for you so you can stay as that individual contributor. Because if you do go into management and you cannot let you cannot let the uh, you know master of the how go with all that keyboard work, you're going to be miserable. Your people are going to be miserable and you're probably going to end up you know being classified as a micromanager from that standpoint. So I, I diverged off that a little bit, but I just wanted to make sure that I, I covered that point because it's really important as you're progressing up your careers to make sure that you have the options and you're not forced to go into something and do something you don't want. Yeah, it's vitally important. I I, um, I mean, you're the guest. Like, chat, ask me on Jawjack in time tomorrow about my experience with getting away from the keyboard. It's very unsettling and very um, unpleasant if you don't want it to happen. Uh, Jordan Turney says he's busting his hump. No prior work IT experience, but he got, he got SEC plus. He does home labs. What do you count as experience or relevant skills for entry level jobs for someone who is coming from this background? Okay, uh, see, so counts experience, relevant skills, tools. So you've you've passed your security plus, and you're starting to do work in cyber home labs. I mean, the other thing you could do to to kind of burnish up your resume is take a look at some of the uh, volunteer organizations around your area that you know may not have cybersecurity experience expertise and 
you know, maybe go in and help them harden their website, uh, you know, local churches, local food banks, those types of things. You know, they're probably looking for volunteer help and work. And if you put that on your resume, you know, that's not only giving you real life experience, you know, on the console doing things, but you're also showing that you're giving back to the community and helping others out from a volunteering type perspective. Um, the other thing you can do is you can look for internships. Uh, a lot of companies will have uh, internships, but they, they don't really, sometimes you think they'll post them like in the beginning of the summer. They really don't. You should start taking, if you want to do an internship, you should start looking for on company websites and stuff like right now, April, March, April timeframe is when they'll start to post some of those internships that you could then, you know, apply for. And that's a really good way to get some uh, good experience because I mean, I think that most companies will have a lot more leeway with interns and bringing interns in just because you have to navigate some of the HR requirements around degrees, which I think we really limit our, our talent pool by requiring, you know, four year degrees for entry level or two year degrees. Uh, one of the things that, uh, I worked on to do was to get that removed for the first one or two jobs levels and then just bake it in as something that as a as a aspirational goal if you wanted to move higher up within the organization so i like it um devin wants to know so the, ba the way i'm reading this question is you're interviewing someone they've got more than a little bit of entry-level experience so i think the technical aspects are good to go um how do you determine if they're a good team fit, a good fit in your office? So I think that goes back to, uh, are they curious? You know, do they, and are they quick? Because if there's one thing that, you know, if you look at the two groups of, of folks that you work with all the time, you know, you can pull from a talent pool of IT folks that are, are very focused on end user experience and in many ways, Traditional IT folks are um, uh, evolutionary in their thought thinking, vice revolutionary. But when you move into the cybersecurity space, you got to move at the speed of the threats. So you really need to be able to change, overcome, and adapt quickly. And I think showing that in an interview and showing those traits in an interview is extremely important because the threats today are not going to be the threats six months from now. I mean, someone just mentioned chat GPT. I mean, that popped on the scene really fast. What's it going to look like from the cyber threat standpoint, you know, three months from now, and how are we going to have to change, overcome and adapt from that standpoint? So folks that are willing to, you know, constantly learn and show a pattern of constantly learning and growing, I think stand out above the rest. And then again, I go back to that point, you know, take the initiative and you know, take the initiative from that standpoint. I love this question. Aaron KG asks, what if you saw a candidate's resume and they had a CVE uh, on their resume, they, they discovered a security vulnerability and did responsible disclosure to the developer or the vendor or whatever, and they had it attributed to them. How do you value that? I'd value it pretty high. I mean, if, I'll step back. If you get an, if you get a bachelor's degree or you get an associate's degree, in my mind, what that really shows is that you know how to learn. 
and you know how to you know how to you know how to manage your time because that's really what college is all about or technical schools you're learning new materials but what really comes out of it is that you can manage competing priorities because you've got multiple different classes and professors asking you different things right but if you go out and discover a cve and or you do something else that's very technically oriented in the field that you're in well that shows that you're you know you've got that knowledge but then you're also taking the initiative from that standpoint too and trying to help out the broader community absolutely i love it um thank you for the question aaron uh jacob wants to know do you think someone with a lot of NIST CSF RMF experience can effectively compete for positions that require experience with other frameworks that you may not have experience in? Very good question, Jacob. Yeah, I, I would say absolutely. I think what it, if you look at all of these frameworks that are out there, if you have expertise in one, well, you've got 90%, yep. let's say, covered in all the other frameworks that are out there. And I think that's just a point to emphasize within the, the resume. I never would look at someone that had pure ISO experience and and say, well, you're not going to be a fit because you know, we were a defense contractor and you need to have NIST. I'd be like, oh, you got ISO experience? Wow. Do you have audit experience with that where you've actually been through an audit or a certification? Uh, that's even better because if you can put that on there, then that shows that not only do you understand what the... Uh, requirements are, but that you've actually been through some type of uh, validation and verification. And uh, that can come from official government entities, or it can come from third parties, same way. I love Robert's question here. Um, he's done some of the online education stuff, Google IT, IBM cybersecurity analyst, maybe the GRC analyst masterclass, I don't know, just saying, um, but not your traditional four year school, right? Can online classes and certs add up to a good quality candidate? You see it on the resume. They've done these these education uh, curriculum. How, how do you view that when you're looking across the table uh, at this candidate? So I would I would view it favorably, but I would say the majority of HR departments that are out there, they have those wickets that you have to get through. And remember, I'm going back to you've got those candidate you know tracking systems that are out there and actually looking at everybody's resume so I, unfortunately i think the majority of companies that are out there will have certain things that they say hey this is a requirement that you have a two-year degree and you won't even get past the uh the bots from that standpoint to talk to a human which is unfortunate yeah you know it's funny you say that um like this is a larger topic and maybe you can come back on and we could we could actually do a, a working session together on this, but there is a art to hacking the job application workflow because if I can get in front of you, Mike, you'll know that I can do the job and, and more importantly, I can help you solve your problem. But because of these, you know, HR mechanisms, which exist for a very good reason, especially larger organizations, just for workflows and stuff, it's tough to get in front of it. So there are techniques um, like you said earlier about using that resume and job quals and, and meshing them together to make sure that you're hitting all of the wickets, as you call it, uh, definitely a thought for another stream. I mean, the majority of jobs that are out there are filled through networking too. Oh my God. So yes. If, if you don't have, a, a a wide network, you should really look to start to expand it. You know, 
go to some conferences or there's so much online stuff that happens nowadays. You know, you've got uh, various chat groups and, and those types of things. But if you can get plugged in and expand that network out, you may end up finding out that there's somebody in your network that actually works at the company and you could ask them to, hey, I'm, I see this opening. Can you deliver my resume? Well, you'll move, you'll bypass all the HR people at that point. You're going to go straight into the hiring manager then because if it's a referral from somebody within a company, they, you know, my mindset and a lot of my peers' mindset was, okay, we're going to look at those folks right away, just out of a courtesy to the uh, individual that's giving us the referral. What, how do you view um, volunteering, speaking, blogs? Like, you know, if people do them and then put them on the resume, is that valuable or is that a, a taking up real estate on your resume? Um, I think it can be valuable, but first and foremost, it's, it's the experience that you have in the space and how it lines up. If those things line up to what the job description is looking for, then I think it's great because it emphasizes what you're doing. But the baseline is, is that you look through that resume and you're looking like, okay, I know what my hot buttons are. I know what I'm looking for. Tick, 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 tick. Okay. Then we're going to, I want to talk to this person. Um, this is a really good question coming in. Devin wants to know kind of future state, right? So you've done a lot of different things in cyber, you know, where do you see the demand jobs coming in the near future? So where should people today who are listening to you getting pumped up, go volunteer to go help that church or whatever, but, but focus where they're helping them so they can align to, you know, like basically hit the target that's going to be there in six months. Uh, I think fundamentals still matter from that standpoint. I think mm -hmm. they always will. So you know, doing those, you know, everybody wants to, to look at what's the next big thing, what's next that's out there. There's just so much uncertainty around that. Like chat GPT is a great, thing, a great example, right? We don't know how that's going to affect and change anything. And even the cybersecurity practitioners today, they're still trying to figure a lot of that out, but the ability to be able to understand and apply security fundamentals, I think are, are critical and showing that you've actually done in those types of things. And by that, what I'm talking about is like, you know, did you help someone stand up a vulnerability management program so that they could actually try to, you know, minimize vulnerabilities? Cause we all know that's still the biggest way that people get in the bad guys, mm -hmm. get in, the threat actors, uh, you know, you know, did you help someone tighten up their administrative, uh, rights access and kind of put in the, put in the concept of least privilege. Uh, did you help someone implement whitelisting or, or some type of mechanism to control the amount of software? Did you put in, you know, EDR solutions and manage that environment? You know, did you help people with incident response? Those types of things. I think those are always going to matter. And from an entry level perspective, that's, what's going to count to help get you in the door from there. So. What are, what are your thoughts and opinions on platforms like Haiku, Hack the Box, Try Hack Me, the, these platforms that um, help you, you know, basically practice practical skills or learn practical skills? I think they can help, but I would look at those types of things and, and say, okay, how can I apply what I learned there into my, what job I'm looking for? So if you want to start off and be a SOC analyst, and that's a job that you want to do a security operations center analyst, learning those particular types of things are probably not going to 
make you stand out from an incident response perspective because that's the primary function of a SOC analyst. But if you're going to go after someone like a pen tester and that's what you would like to do, then obviously those types of skill sets can be very beneficial. Here's a good question. This is always a tough topic. Eric wants to know, what if you have a prior felony, right? You were 16 and made a stupid mistake. Uh, now you're, you know, 40, you've, you've had a long career and everything. You want to transition into cyber. Um, you know, in the private sector, I know you were mostly at Oshkosh, so I don't know if you, you can even really answer this because of the, the depth and everything. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts around hiring somebody with a, you know, criminal record or how might someone more, maybe to take it away from you, like how would someone with a criminal record best position themselves to get hired in cybersecurity or is it, a, or is it an all stop and they should look somewhere else? I don't think it's an all stop. I mean, all companies will do a basic background check from that standpoint, which looks at uh, any type of criminal history. Some companies will couple that with a um, credit check just based on the nature of what information you're handling and also a drug test. So I think you got to be ready for all three uh, and be ready to answer the question if it comes up. I don't think it's a elimination having a mm -hmm. criminal record, especially if it's way far in the past. And in some cases it depends, you got to take everything in context from that standpoint. So it's really looking at it like, was it back when you were 16? You know, I don't know how far back criminal backgrounds check go. They might not. And if you did it as a minor, and don't quote me on this, I mean, it may not even show up because I don't think they'll show up in background checks. I said, well, I think they look at what you do in the adults, but I'm not an HR person. But yeah, I, I think you just got to have your story around what happened and why did it happen and how did you overcome it? And how are you better for it? I think if you, you can answer those questions, I think that would help, you know, a lot because we all make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, you just gotta be willing to talk to it and say, how, how did you get through it, right? And what did you learn from it? And how are you better for it, so. All right, Mike, a little bit of a lightning round. We have, uh, sadly, we have less than five minutes left. So oh. I, I'll ask you some quick questions here. Um, how many, how many entry-level positions are gated by recruiters? Um, I would probably say by, if by gated, you mean actually filtered out by recruiters. Mm -hmm. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you never really had a chance. I would say probably 90% of them are gated by the, um, the ATS system. And then the remaining are probably recruiters that are going out and looking on. I mean, recruiters will just go to LinkedIn or indeed, to be quite honest, that seems to be the two places that they go. That's it. And I'm talking recruiters that are internal recruiters, mm -hmm. companies. If you're going to use a, a recruiter that's a retained search firm, they're they're not messing with the entry level stuff. If I to provide a little bit more color on that, that's all going to be internal company recruiters or their applicant tracking systems. Moden wants to know uh, again, a lightning round, Mike CCNA certs. Will it CCNA uh, Cisco CCNA will it help you stand out? um as a cybersecurity uh candidate yeah i think anything related to network uh and understanding you know the bits and the bytes and how they function and how they work i mean i had a ccnp back in the day i thought it was really valuable i mean cisco did a pretty good job of, of actually not only talking about their specific uh sets of uh equipment but also molding in the other components that are associated with understanding networking. So 
yeah, I think that would be a good one. Okay, thank you. Uh, another one from Michael Adams. What would be considered above and beyond? We always say, you know, the minimum isn't going to cut it. You got to go above and beyond. What can you define that? Like to you, what's above and beyond when you look at a resume? For entry level folks, I yeah, would yeah. say, yeah, I I would say it's you know, lab work can be, but uh, it depends on what the lab's doing. If you're just going to go into an online lab and then perform and do particular functions and like hone your skills there. I think that's good. Um, I think getting real world experience is probably better and working with companies and organizations that are actually experiencing, you know, the cyber threat actors actively. Uh, and, you know, one of the best ways to do that is through internship or volunteering, I think. Frank Cumberland wants to ask a hot uh, post pandemic question. Remote work okay or button seat for seasoned IT personnel? Well, um, back at Oshkosh Truck, I'm going to use the old name so we don't get it confused with the with the Oshkosh Bagosh. Uh, we had a remote workforce, and I, I initiated remote work probably uh, over uh, nine years ago. So my staff was working. You know, the majority of my staff was working remote. So my answer to that question is, I think remote work is the only way to go going forward. And like, we could have a whole nother session on this. I think the genie's out of the bottle for the all functions, not just IT, cybersecurity, but all of them. And if companies don't adapt to that, you're going to have a shrinking marketplace of talent. And cybersecurity, there are millions of jobs going wanting all over the world. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that the remote work side of it for individual contributors is very, very high. Now, if you decide you want to go into management and leadership, there are some some folks that have some pretty set views that you need to be there on site, you know, as a director or as a VP or as a CISO uh, so that, you know, you can interact with that broader group of executives. I still firmly believe that regardless of what, where you're at in the organization, you can do remote work. You know, I managed a, a, an, a, a department uh, that spanned the globe and the majority of the relationships that I had to maintain as the CISO were people that were not located within Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So you can still do it and there are a lot of tools to do it, but I think traditionally putting butts in seats, that's, that needs to go the way of the dinosaurs we got to move on i agree absolutely all right guys i know a million questions came in that we didn't get to but i do have to wrap the stream right now mike even though it's a shortened stream uh hopefully we can have you back i would love to do that yeah. workflow stream that we talked about yeah. even though it's shortened though i always love giving my guests an opportunity for final thoughts i'll make you full screen you can say whatever it is that you would like you've got 110 people here to talk to Mike, thank you so much for being our guest today on the stream. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. So I, I think the one take the, the biggest takeaway out of this is that as you progress in your careers, please do look at what I was talking about with that career ladder and, and make sure that you know you start thinking about that early on because you eventually will reach that point and you don't want to be locked into something that you're gonna have to do something you don't like, which is the managing of people if and i'm not saying you you won't like it but it's a totally different mindset and 
just remember that when you reach that point, it's you got to make that call whether you want to be the keeper of the what or the master of the how. So that's my final thought with that. And then and the other one for entry level folks, real quick, uh, show the initiative, show that you've taken the initiative and show that you're willing to learn and that you can move fast. That, and those applied so much into the cybersecurity space. I love it. Well, Mike, thank you so much. On behalf of all of chat and behalf of myself and the whole Simply Cyber community, we really appreciated you. I hope uh, you become a regular friend of the yeah. Simply Cyber community. Look forward to coming back. Really love do. it. Thanks, Jerry. All right. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's send Mike off to the green room. Guys, I hope you got wicked value from that. We tried to cram through as many questions as possible. I know many of them uh, we didn't get to, but we will flag them. Mike uh, will be coming back. He, he just said it, so we've got it on film, right? <laughs> so uh, I definitely appreciate your time today. Again, hit the like button if you got value. It helps other cybersecurity professionals who don't know about what we're doing in here find and discover it. That's going to do it for me. Thank you all very much. I hope to see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the daily cyber threat briefing presented by Simply Cyber. Until next time, I'm Jerry. Stay secure.